Hello, hello, hello. Overlanding, also known by its more pedestrian name, car camping, is going off. We know this. It is booming. But why is it booming? It is my theory that overlanding is the new weekend cabin. That is, it's the thing that people dream about when they dream about shelter. Today, we're going to dive into that. We have Justin Hausman, our senior editor. Hello, Justin. Hello, hello. We also have Jackson Casimiro, who is our producer. Jackson is a filmmaker who has worked extensively with Overland brands and Overland influencers. Hey, Jackson. Hi, how's it going? I've got my 2021 Overland Expo sourcebook, if you need me to look up any brands. Excellent. And I, I am Stephen Casimiro. Welcome to the AJ Podcast. So here's my theory. I'm going to propose it to you guys, and um, then we're going to dive into that and tell me what you think. Tell me whether you agree or disagree. So the first part of this theory is that we all love blanket forts. I think we have a human biological need for cozy shelter makes us feel more secure uh, going back to days in the cave maybe or the womb but uh man there's there's just something about it that is just so fun um and historically uh weekend cabins have been super popular especially like places in the east or in norway but with what's going on with the economy now, and at this point, interest rates are north of 7%. I mean, a lot of people can't even afford a first house, let alone a second house. So, uh, and meanwhile, overlanding is booming. Um, car camping didn't used to be cool. It's now cool. Um, what's going on there? Why, why is that happening? I think it is because we can customize our vehicles and we can turn them into mobile shelters, mobile base camps. It's tremendously satisfying and it's a lot more affordable. So Jackson took a look um, at Google Trends. Jackson, tell us what you found with overlanding searches and weekend cabin searches, what's going on with there over the last five or six years. Yeah, so what's actually funny is that your impression is backed up in the Google search trends and if you look at weekend cabin versus overlanding as search terms, there was actually an inflection point in 2018, which does sound about right. I mean, it was on my radar long before with um, X Overland. I used to watch their YouTube channel and I was sort of around it through you. But I mean, I didn't kind of take up the mantle until a couple of years after that, which I think matches the trend. Justin? Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, that feels right to me. I'm th that's probably about the first year that I'm trying to remember when OR started getting taken over by like rooftop tent setups. You know, I remember the like the first time or two I went, like Yakima had maybe maybe one or something. And then like the next time, it was their entire display was like four Tacomas with varying kinds of rooftop tents on them. So that that feels about right, and. And I wonder if that also has to do with just kind of a flowering of products that, I mean, I guess it's a chicken or the egg sort of thing, right? Like I, that feels about when there were a lot more products you could get to, to help kind of get your vehicle ready for something like that. But I mean, is that because there was more demand? I, I'm not sure. That's about when I, was that when I was building out mine? No, I think I had built out my Tacoma before then. But I wasn't, you know, I didn't have nearly the plethora of options of stuff you could get. So I feel like 2018, was, that whole, that, that era is probably about when you could just go to a 
a rack and roof or a rack and road store, just like load up your rig with all kinds of racks and tents and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that does seem about right. That's not yeah, even to say, I, that's not even to say about the Sprinter explosion. I mean, that's a whole different thing, which is probably what most people think of when they think of overlanding. I guess at this point, or maybe uh, not. Well, maybe I don't know. I think of overlanding historically as caravans across, you know, from the top of North America to the bottom of South America, or across Africa. I think of old Land yeah. Rover Defenders. Um, I got my four wheel drive van again in two thousand eight or two thousand nine. I think it was and. Um, you know, overlanding was a pretty fringe thing. It, I mean, it was in van life wasn't really there yet. It mm-hmm. was just camper vanning basically. And then, um, I had a Tumblr for a while that I called overlandia and I saw overlandia as I saw the traditional overlanding as the point was to drive more so than the point was to have a have a cool vehicle that was comfortable to live out of and to use as a mobile base camp and then for a long time we did a column in aj on the website called overlandia um, just to sort of create a little bit of a difference between the two concepts but now i think you know just uh, for some people that overlanding is overlanding is driving but i think for you know broadly more culturally now it's probably just car camping yeah, I suppose that's that's an important distinction to make. I mean, I guess I go back and forth. You know, for I think I see so many sprinters around where I live. I'm sure in Orange County they're probably even more prevalent. I see more sprinters with various sorts of racks for carrying toys, usually lifted with like all-terrain tires. I see more of those than I do sort of the traditional like off-road truck or SUV around here. So to me, overlanding is now synonymous with rich, with like orthopedic surgeons and their, and their sprinters, maybe going to Baja or somewhere, uh, less so with like plucky, you know, vanigans and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The term's broad, I guess. Um, the term is broad and I think everybody defines it differently. Like if you think about a weekend cabin, I mean, it could be a cottage, it could be an A-frame, but Boy, when it comes to overlanding or card camping, I mean, you you work with what you have. And the folks who did um, our three square column in our print quarterly for many years, Michael and Megan from Fresh Off the Grid, um, they have a sprinter now that they built out. But for many years, they lived out of a some kind of sedan. <laughs> I don't remember. Awesome. I don't. And and Michael is. Well, he looks like six eight to me, but he's probably more like <laughs> six four. But he's really, really tall, <laughs> and that's what they had. And they weren't going to let a lack of money um, get in their way. And which, which I love that. I mean, I one of my favorite words is moxie. I mean, I love seeing mm-hmm. cross treks. Those cars have oh, so yeah. much moxie. Or an outback that's that, like the outback that you had that's decked out. I mean, I, it's just not letting funds or a lack of funds get in the way. And I think, you know. Overlanding as a as a phenomenon within the outdoor retailer space. So I think about the outdoor realer, retailer space as the traditional outdoor industry defined by REI and North Face and Patagonia and all that. It's become very, very gear intensive and you mm-hmm. can go crazy on gear right now. But I think one of the things that people like that feels empowering and populist about this idea is that you can you can do whatever you want in whatever vehicle you want. And it could be adding string lights to the inside of your outback. And now you've made it, you know, a significantly percentage, significant percentage more comfortable and cozy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, coziness is a huge factor here. I mean, I keep thinking back to, you know, gr- growing up as a surfer, um, your vehicle was always kind of a mobile base camp. Um, you know, I I'd sleep in the back of my old school Toyota pickup with nothing, just a corrugated metal bed and like a sleeping bag, you know, just to chase waves throughout California. Um, and there were always surf fans, you know, that, that's, that was always a thing. Um, and so for me, that's kind of like, my car has always been my adventure base. Um, but it, it, it could also, but it, it could be anything. I mean, for a long time, it was a truck. It's been wagons. It's been, little hatchbacks it's been everything um and i never really think of them differently it's just like each one has the ability to store more stuff or something like that but you know i've always uh wanted to organize things really you know neatly and and have my little systems dialed and stuff like that so to me that's always been like a constant um so to see the whole rest of the world like jump onto that is cool and it's interesting and and it's it's pretty clear or it's pretty obvious why that would be attractive to people. It's like, maybe if you haven't had a reason to do that before, maybe, you know, you would just go camping at a campground, throw a tent out. And that was your only experience. You wouldn't even occur to you that you can build out a vehicle to make it like an adventure based camp. But for some of us, that's always been, that's always been the case. Right. I mean, in camping, it's, it's not, well, it is free in some places, you know, in other places it's still, it's really affordable. So, um, and I think the money thing, I think we, you know, we can't stress that enough that, I mean, sprinters are ridiculous, the cost of them. Like a, a fully decked, I mean, you can obviously get used ones and they don't have to be four-wheel drive and you can spec them out yourself and all that. But if you want to get a four-wheel drive sprinter that's nice, I'll, I'm going to round up and call it 200000 Easy. Mean, it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money. And my friend Sinway um, Xavier, um, who has been on many, many car camping overlanding adventures, does a lot of work with Overland Journal and... We were breaking down the math on this one time. Like, if you had a sprinter for um, that you paid two hundred grand for, and you used it for two weeks a year, which is kind of typically what people, you know, I mean, Americans don't even use all their vacation. Then that works out to if you use it every year for two weeks for twenty years, that's what ten thousand a year. That's mm-hmm. five thousand a week. And I was looking at um, there's a bunch of services that rent sprinters and um, Motera is one of them and they I, I, they have six or eight locations i think mostly around the west and at the high season last minute they're 400 a night so you could have a fully decked sprinter that you don't have to pay insurance on that you don't have to worry about parking um that costs you about twenty twenty eight hundred dollars for a week I mean, the math, like why, you know, unless you really desperately want to own a sprinter, why, why would you do that? So I think that, you know, people are coming up against this buzzsaw of the economy. And mm-hmm. then, of course, you throw in pandemic and people wanting to be outside and um, and they want to do it on their terms. And, you know, another thing, I mean, with the boom in van life, which has become, you know, a cliche, but people are just tired of the old grind and doing things, you know, the old way. And Jackson, I know, has done a lot of work with people who are, you would call them overland influencers, but, you know, kind of, they took that lifestyle of wanting to bail on the traditional way and live out there. And this is how they're paying for their time on, on the road. Jackson, what is, you're good friends with a lot of those folks and you worked with a lot of those folks. What has their experience been? And now I know that they have a lot of like full out builds that are expensive, but in terms of like the lifestyle and why they're going to that, what's their, is there a common thread there? I mean, Definitely to the the buying versus renting. I mean, I think that's that is actually a big element of it. I, I think the sense of 
ownership and customization that you get by building out your own rig. Uh, some people do buy kind of preset, prefabricated things, but no two setups are the same. And I think it's always going to intersect with what you like to do in the outdoors. Like everybody that I've shot with, it's always been, you know, either bikes or surfboards or kayaks or climbing gear. I mean, whatever being outside means to you is going to have a big say on how you build out the rig. And I think it's similar to that weekend cabin of kind of architecting it around what you're interested in and then adding your own elements. Like a lot of people have patches all over their ceiling of the cab and uh, having battle scars on it and living with them, I think is always a big piece of it. But definitely a lot of people I've spent time with have lived full time and people who live full time on the road, it's, it's typically the through line is bucking the traditional nine to five trend and finding a different lifestyle, a different pace of being able to move freely. And, and a lot of people are investigating that jump to international travel too, which I think if you're talking about kind of the economics of it, especially if you're living full time, I mean, it's almost like a decent economic proposition. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't have kids, if you don't have kids, I mean, or actually, unless you're the Paskowitz family. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've actually shot with a lot of people who have kids and it's, it's pretty impressive how they've managed to, uh, live on the road like that. And then sometimes those kids grow up and are planning on adding to the caravan, getting their mm -hmm. own rig, building it around themselves and traveling with their parents like that, which I think is really cool. That is super cool. I wonder if you guys would have done that. <laughs> if we I just, had grown up. If you'd grown up in the van again, the two words that strike fear in every parent's heart are homeschooling. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that Paskowitz movie is pretty interesting. If you're not familiar with it, there's the surf family um, from Southern California, and they raised uh, um, Dorian Paskowitz was sort of the patriarch. And I, th I don't remember how many kids they raised, like six, like a, an absurd I was, amount. I think it was more than that. It, yeah, maybe, you know, in, in various like campers. Um, I, I think they traveled internationally too, maybe a little bit, but mostly just throughout California and the West, the West, generally speaking. And I'd say, I mean, I don't know, the documentary makes it seem like 95% of the kids hated it and don't want anything to do with that as adults. I think only one of them is still doing is, is kind of living that way. So for what that's worth. Yeah. Maybe they get their fill. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's, that's real commitment. It's commitment to raise kids on the road, but also just to be on the road. And I think the, as I think about specking out my car, modifying it, um, yeah, I mean, I have no desire to live on the road full time. Um, no way. But I, I love it when I look at my truck, and it's somehow like seeing that it's whether it has a rack or the wheels that I put on it, whatever sort of modification I've done to make it more backcountry friendly, camping friendly. It just gives me pleasure, and it makes me feel connected to it, and. It's not an exaggeration that when I've been trying to figure out my sleeping system that I'll just like my wife will just like she'll come into the garage or she'll pull in from, you know, an errand or something like that. And I'll be in the back of my GX 470 just like <laughs> measuring my headroom again or something like that. Like it's it's 
like the way that I used to put on my ski boots in August when the first issue of Powder mm-hmm. would arrive. It's it's a way to feel connected to the the thing that you love when you can't be there at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think that's also part of what separates it from camping, tent camping, ground camping, backpacking. I mean, I, I still think the thing that's going to bridge that gap is that notion of if you're not with your vehicle, kind of setting up your camp in a familiar way and kind of staging it like it's your home on wheels. But I mean, that that is a really big piece of it, having that shelter familiarity. It is. It is. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to talk about the satisfaction of being self-sufficient, having everything you need, um, the fun of modularity, the social aspects of it. Um, so stay tuned and we'll catch up with you in just a sec. You love adventure, we love adventure, and that is why we created Adventure Journal in print. It is the gift that we've made for ourselves and for our friends and hopefully for you that is analog, that gets away from screens, that gives you some of the most interesting, deepest and thoughtful stories from some of the best writers and photographers working in the outdoor space. We do four a year. You get free shipping and a deep discount. It's 60 bucks to have this absolutely beautiful, no batteries necessary celebration of adventure in your mailbox. Get it at adventure-journal.com. I am drinking, it's gotten cold now because we're halfway through the show. I am drinking Long Weekend Coffee. We launched Long Weekend Coffee earlier this year to bring you and us blends that are not fussy, that will take any kind of brew method that we like, whether it's at home, in a cabin, on the tailgate of a truck, doesn't matter. We have four blends. We have dark, medium, espresso roast, and a decaf. I think they're pretty amazing. I guarantee you will like them. Check us out at longweekend.coffee. Welcome back to the AJ Podcast. You probably already know you're in the AJ Podcast because you clicked on it. Thank you for listening. So one of the all-time best road trip books is Jack Kerouac, On the Road. And one of my favorite quotes from that book is, Whither thou goest, America, in thy shiny black car in the night. And I often think about that. Whither thou goest, America, where the hell are we going in our (laughs) shiny black car in the night? And the idea of cars and road trips feels essential to Americans' perception of themselves as mobile and free and the open road and the Great American Road Trip playlist and all that sort of stuff. I think it's... It's woven into our psyche, this idea that we can go anywhere and at a moment's notice. And so there, that's, that's something that we all crave, right? The ability to sort of jump in the car and go. And um, the, the boom in car camping and overlanding and van life of the last few years, I think, has been fueled by people's just, you know, one of their hungers to just get up and go and to feel self-sufficient and not feel bound by things. But of course, cost is one of the great binding things of our lives. And, you know, coming back to the premise that and people have often dreamed about cabins and cabins are expensive and second homes are expensive and all that goes along with that. So I think one of the things that's changed over the last, clearly over the last 10 or 15 years with Airbnb that we can, 
we can rent cabins. It used to be hard to rent a cabin. And now we have all kinds of cabins that we have access to. And maybe that's scratching that little bit of an itch. And one of the things that Justin and I have talked about, you know, is we the price of sprinters and cabins. And, and he has an interesting perspective on this on like if you are lucky enough to be in a place financially where you could consider a second place or you know a bolt hole in the forest versus putting the money into a, a sprinter would you so justin can you tackle that for us well i i feel like around my neck of the woods most of the people i see in the expensive rigs i mean i guess this makes sense for anything right you're in your higher earning life stock or part of your life when you're in your 50s and 60s anyway i suppose but usually i, I very rarely see like 25 year olds and sprinters rolling around and when i see you know when i see people often you know these outrageously expensive vehicles and I'm thinking, you know, what, I mean, it's possible they're just super rich and it, that means nothing to them. It's just a toy, you know, but I've thought about, you know, if I didn't have kids and, and, uh, I was, you know, thinking about ways I wanted to spend the rest of my life. I mean, why I, it makes a lot of sense actually to, to pump that money into, into, um, some kind of van or, or whatever system you want to where that's where you're retiring. That's your home. And that there's a lot of appeal in that to me, especially, I mean, especially if you're just single, I mean, that sounds fantastic. Like if you had the choice between an apartment for the rest of your life or just driving wherever you wanted, I mean, obviously people have done this with RVs forever, but it's a whole different ball game when all of a sudden, you know, BLM lands and national forest lands and stuff like that are, are open to you. Um, and I don't, I mean, that makes all the sense in the world to me. And I, I've never really thought about it that way. I've never thought about kind of choosing between a sedentary stationary place or being able to, my home is wherever I feel like it is. Um, but I, I totally understand why you'd make that financial calculation at a certain point in your life. I mean, we, my wife and I have talked about buying cabins before. We, we can't even remotely afford it. We just bought a house a few years ago. But, um, you know, if I had, you know, the cheapest thing I could possibly get in a place I want to live is going to be two, three hundred grand at minimum, you know. Um, and then it's there. That's where it is. What if you get bored? with that place. What if it burns? I mean, California, everywhere you want to buy a, a, a cabin is potentially going to burn. Um, starts to make a lot more sense to have a big shiny blue sprinter in your driveway um, instead of that. Yeah, it does. It does. And I, those are all great points. And I think that, you know, by the time people get into their sixties, I mean, let's say you have been fortunate enough to be able to get your house and you buy it at age 30, you know, by the time you're in your sixties, you probably have it paid off. You know, mm -hmm. you're, the peak of your earning years or, you know, maybe, um, sort of maybe going over the hill and, you know, looking at social security and all that sort of stuff. But you, you know, your, your kids are probably gone if you had kids. And I mean, this is why we see so many happy older folks on the road, you know, because they have that kind of income, you know, and, and like you and Margaret, you know, we've, I mean, we've talked about a condo at Mammoth since I think before we were married, and it's just it's always felt out of reach. And um, you know, one of the equations that I've gone through over the years is okay, well, what what is within reach? And I think this is yeah. the thing about van life and car camping. It's just it's so much more in reach, and it, it doesn't it doesn't have to be you don't have to go all in with a sprinter and you don't have to go all in with a van again. I mean, it's, it's a different experience to have a van, have a four wheel drive camper van, but you don't have to be all in on that. There's, there's ways to, to approach it, you know, with, with much less of an investment and much more flexibility, I think. And the flexibility is an interesting cons consideration as we talk about this. And, you know, both of my kids are, are grown and, 
<laughs> Dear God, I hope I'm not out of my peak earning years by probably. <laughs> but at some point, you know, I mean, and we've talked about like, you know, we've talked about the sprinter, you know, we've talked about um, a second place. You know, we've talked about the flexibility of what if we, you know, we spent, if we ever have that kind of flexibility in our life, spent X amount of time and dollars living in Paris and then living in Thailand or living where, like, so there's a lot of considerations as you get, you know, as you, I think, get older and your situation changes from your younger years. But when you're in younger years, you know, being able to get in the car and go, I think, is what what's available to us. Well, and I think there's also a part of um, the re- the reason that there's such a boom amongst all ages, right? Like older people are going to have their own motivations. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's that different than people. You know, when I was when I was a kid, we, you know, people. It seemed like senior citizens or retired people, or whatever. All they had campers, they had RVs. You know that was that was kind of the that was the trope. Now maybe they're doing this instead. But I think there might be a relationship between why people of certain ages, you know, older generations would do it one way, and then younger generations are doing it too. Is just simply that it's just more available. I mean, you can buy internet hotspots that mean you can work from literally anywhere at this point. You know, I mean, there's just so many little things you can buy ready-made for your car uh, to make it a mobile either workspace or living space that just didn't exist 20 years ago. So all of a sudden, it's just a lot easier to do this for anybody. So, I mean, if you're younger, I mean, I I haven't worked at a physical office in my entire life. My entire career has been remote. Um, So, I mean, that's like, there's plenty of people that are like that now too. And so it's just so much easier to just basically buy prepackaged sort of migratory lifestyle and that be, and your car becomes your the center of your world and you're just out there i mean it's why wouldn't you do that it's amazing we're just fortunate enough to live in a situation in a time where tech has made that possible we can but there's a lot of people who have regular jobs who who can't do that and one of the things i like i i enjoy about seeing nicely specked out outbacks or cross tracks or rav4s is that I mean, it's, it's, I think Jackson said it earlier. I don't know if it was when we were recording or offline, but he's, you know, it's, it's most people's daily driver. Mm-hmm. And I think very few people are in a situation where they have a dedicated overlanding rig, but they want to take their daily driver and they want it to be more comfortable when they, when they bust out for the weekend. And there's so many things. And, and this is, I, I, I love it. I mean, I, I, just not, how many hours do you think we have spent talking about customizing? I mean, it's an uncountable number in Jackson, you and I too, and how much time you spend because it's really fun. I mean, I come back to the comparison with blanket forts. Like totally. it's just, it's just, it's so much fun looking at your thing and, and, and making it yours and thinking about spending the night out there and do i have the side windows open or is it the moonroof or you know like those different scenarios and it's just it's a blast i mean it's really it's like when you're a kid and you make a fort or treehouse right it's exactly the same feeling i mean if i i'd I've just put it away, but like the last couple of nights, my four-year-old and two-year-old have been put, literally making blanket forts, you know, and they, they have them, they have them between like an ottoman and our couch and they get their, the certain toys that they want. And they're set up in certain ways, but then they go about like mundane stuff, right? Like now, now Dolly's going to bed. Now so-and-so's taking a bath. And it's like, I've, I've watched them and think that they're just camping in the living room. Like it's not that different, you know, and I, the, you do have that same sort of feeling when you're, when you're out there. I mean, it's like the building GI Joe forts when I was a kid, you know, it's, it's really not that different. Mm-hmm. And I think me being at my point in life where I I can afford doing a little bit more than um, just doing ground tent camping, but I'm not at the point where I can buy a house, I can buy even a condo that I can 
really customize or have a lot of disposable income to like set up furniture exactly the way I want it. Getting, you know, I got a, a used forerunner and I put no more than like two or three thousand into it or something, and I was able to just tinker with it. I did some wiring myself and just was able to kind of customize it in a way that I could get out of Los Angeles. This is also during the pandemic that I really needed that pressure release of, of being able to get out. And I wonder if I'll start to change my opinion about it as I get more control over my -hmm. house. But I do think, yeah, for, for young people who are in that in-between zone before they can get a house, it is a way to customize something, tinker with it, uh, personalize it and have shelter and outdoor space. I mean, I don't even have a balcony right now. It's, it's hard to even get something like that where outside is out, out your front door. Yeah. Those are, those are really solid points. Um, it's, it is accessible, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's accessible. And I was, I was thinking too, that, you know, it, from a, from a social perspective, sharing a cabin with somebody is, is, uh, is a bigger leap than sharing a campsite with somebody. You know, it's, I think it's harder to corral, pin people down on dates. What are we going to cook? You know, all that sort of stuff. Who gets what bedroom, kind of all of those things. Whereas it's much easier to say, I think it's, it's lower threshold for everybody to say, Hey, I'm going to be in this campground, this forest service campground this weekend. Anybody want to join me? Yeah. And people can just pull up and um you can be in the next campsite or the site over and so people can come together and they still have the comfort of their own built space through their car camping system well speaking of self-sufficiency i mean you're not it's not one person hosting the other everybody comes together and they can be self-sufficient but oftentimes they will collaborate i mean i've collaborated on meals or you know borrowing somebody's axe or anything like that is is a great social space yeah it is do you, do you remember that the, the camp we did a neighborhood we did a few neighborhood campouts um when you guys were little and we did the one it was up in uh near idlewild um here in southern california and and uh and our friend jesse rolled up with his with his kids and he's just mm-hmm. like, I don't even know if he, Jesse's a wild guy. Love Jesse. He's very spontaneous. And I'm trying to remember, I think, I know he got a ticket from the Ranger for some reason while we, right when he pulled up. Really? And, and I think he might've just like gotten the boys and maybe not even told his wife, but he just rolled up and everybody else was already in the campground or whatever. And Jesse just showed up and it was like, that's the fun thing about these social things. Like who's going to show up and like, what are they going to bring with them? Like Jesse brought axes to throw and... I think it was also in his wife's new Mercedes, something like that. <laughs> Mike Deck rolled up with a, the joke about everything but the kitchen sink. He brought a folding kitchen sink. <laughs> yeah, that'd be normal now. He was ahead of the curve. He was totally ahead of the curve. It would be cooler as, uh, I mean, I, I, it's fun. Like my overland experiences are always solo, but so I'm taking your word for it on the social thing. But it would be kind of cooler as... As it as it proliferates, it gets more popular to see more than just Tacomas and Forerunners, and 
you know, maybe some Land Cruisers out there. See people doing it in Mercedes or whatever. Like I see videos all the time of like Teslas that are that Teslas. are lifted and like built up for it. You know, and it's like, I, man, that I, that would be so awesome. I mean, every time I'm I'm back there, it's always the same three vehicles and the same three dudes, <laughs> like walking around it. You know, maybe a sprinter with some like influencers taking like yoga pose shots outside of a lake or something like that. But it'd be so. I would I I would love to roll up on someone with like some sedans doing it. I mean, that's fantastic. That's how it was when I was a kid. You know. Yeah, I mean, I know somebody who, uh, I, I forget if he started it, but he's a Prius Overlander. Perfect. Which didn't even have all-wheel drive at the time. And so much cooler. It's so much cooler. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I met a guy who has an Overland Prius um, a couple of weeks ago at the 29 Palms uh, book festival that we mm-hmm. were a part of. And uh, he was a photographer there. And it was it was sick it was it was really sweet i i'm kind of i'm thinking about i mean i love my gx470 it's a lexus it's a globally it's sold as a toyota prado it, it's such a it's sort of slots between a land cruiser and a forerunner i mean it's a, it's a great size its mileage is just a dog's breakfast is terrible and so i've been thinking about other options and i was I, the new prius is really beautiful but i mean i i do spend a lot of time in places where it's just not going to work and it's also small so i mean i i have been looking at mid-sized trucks and thinking about that and um you know it's a cliche but i mean there's a there's a million dudes in tacomas for a reason you yeah. know they're they're affordable and they work really really well and i think as, affordable. We, as we look it, i don't know if that? i'd go I, affordable okay. well <laughs> i don't know but I think the cheapest Tacoma you could buy off a lot right now is probably forty grand for two wheel drive. <laughs> we could say low depreciation. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, affordability is relative. More affordable than a Sprinter. More affordable yeah. than a cabin. You yeah. know, I'm I'm talking used, of mm-hmm. course. I mean the new the new Tacomas. I'm excited about them. They're interesting, but uh, I mean, I don't even know. They're probably going to start at fifty. I mean, they'll probably say they start at forty, but they probably, probably are real yeah. real world fifty. Well, I, I actually think that's probably another reason, too, that we're seeing such a boom. I mean, it used to be you would see trucks with, like, kitted out. You'd see some, like, Subarus, you know, uh, more and more. There's always been some, like, weird imported vans and stuff banging around out there, too. But for the most part, you'd see pickups, you'd see SUVs, maybe a couple Subarus. But now every, pretty much every car maker makes a lifted like an Outback knockoff. I mean, you can get a Mazda CX-50 or whatever it is now that's slightly raised, has all-wheel drive. And now I see these things everywhere with racks on them and all-terrain tires. I mean, we have a RAV4 hybrid with all-wheel drive, and I keep thinking about getting all-terrain tires for that thing and, and using that more often on, on trips rather than my thirsty truck. So there's also just so many more options out there for people. And plus, every, it feels like all the car makers are, are marketing them that way. I mean, it seems like that's, you know, every dealership you walk into, it's it's like young people putting a mountain bike on the rack of something. So it, that's part of it, too. It is. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that's it's spot on. Well, let's uh, let's bring this home by talking about the future and, and where this is going. We do not have a crystal ball. I have no idea where things are going. But... One of my, um, I've been wanting to do, uh, I've been wanting to do a, um, a truck walk around um, with my GX and um, and just show people there's nothing in it. <laughs> I just basically, I take That's the seats great. out. I, I throw in a, a cooler. I, I throw in the sleeping bags and um, I have a, you know, a, a double wide mattress. And I, I really try to keep things simple. I went through 
phases where I obsessed about built-in cabinets and drawers and Jackson has drawers in his forerunner. And um, one of the things that I learned about having a Vanagon for um, eight or nine years was that um, there was a lot of wasted space by the cabinetry and, and, you know, it had propane and a two burner stove and um, I never wanted to cook inside. I didn't want, you know, grease or smoke going into my, my canopy. Um, it was, I'm out there to be outside, you know? And so what I really like about, um, I like sort of the indoor outdoor aspect of car camping. I like being outside and I've slept, I don't know how many nights I've just slept out on the ground and continue to do that or in a tent. Um, but I also like that cozy factor of being inside. It feels more secure. Um, if I'm kind of, uh, incognito camping it feels safer mm-hmm. um I, I really like that kind of inside outside and um but the more that you build in the heavier it is the worse your gas mileage is and the more constrained you are um by what you've actually built so i i love just you know i i have a headlamp and i have a pillow and i can just sleep in the back fairly easily without having to do anything so I, i'm wondering and i think that i know jackson is thinking about this um, do you think that the future of car camping is more stuff? Do you think it's less stuff? Do you think it's more simplicity, more flexibility? Where, where do you guys, how are you thinking about it? And how do you think other people are thinking about it? I mean, I think that I, I never, I never got a rooftop tent. You know, there, there was not that I guess in my mind, rooftop tent equals overlanding for at least totally. for like a forerunner. Um, but, you know, I, I always kind of built mine a little more production focused and, you know, my drawer system has a really secure lock on it. I've had a car broken into before and stuff stolen. So for production, for me, that was always a really big piece of the build and why my build felt like mine was, you know, it was designed around my lifestyle at the time, which was a lot of shooting in the outdoors. Now, my lifestyle is changing and my pendulum is kind of swinging in a way where I feel like the forerunner and its build doesn't reflect how I want to be in the outdoors right now. And Mm -hmm. what I'm kind of interested in is eventually an, an electric car, but more likely something like a Prius where it's small, but then I can use more external mounts. I can put my bike on the back. I could add a, a, a rooftop box. Um, and just having a lighter weight daily driver. And I think part of that just comes from feeling a little overwhelmed and feeling like my forerunners overkill 90% of the time when I'm driving around town. One time I do want to try car camping with only 50 liters of stuff, you know, kind of taking that backpacking sized amount of equipment. But yeah, I just, I think that I can be overwhelmed a little bit. And I think that simplicity is what I'm going to find myself getting back to. I don't know if the price of cars is going to start swinging that pendulum for a lot of people. Cars are really expensive right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, like all things, the pendulum swings back towards minimalism and less stuff, lighter weight. I have no doubt that it will. I mean, I kind of, I've, I personally have gone through basically every possible phase of, you know, dirt bag, sleeping out of a Honda fit to 
Tacoma with a built-out platform to Subarus with roof ra- multiple rooftop tents and just like every you know Dometic in the back and like absolutely purpose-built for as you know super comfortable overlanding to now you know I have a I have a Nissan Frontier the only the only thing that gives away that I do anything interesting with it are the all-terrain tires that's it nothing else and you go looking there right now there's nothing in it at all and um, you know I that's kind of just, that's been my sort of journey and now i'm you know i all this all the personalization and compartmentalization that all goes in my kit so you know i have my boxes that i throw in there when i want to go somewhere and that's super well thought out and that's super well dialed the truck is just a means to get to get to where i want to go um and i wouldn't be surprised if that's if that's kind of the, like a like a sort of a trend that's i mean that's that's my personal experience but i suppose that's a lot of people are probably experiencing that too you know where they try to keep up with everybody they got the rooftop tents they're spending all this money and all this stuff and they realize okay now i kind of know what i need and what i what i actually like doing and it's not necessarily focusing so much on rack systems and lighting systems and all these sorts of things it's really just being out there and so i have a vehicle that can get me out there and then i'll focus i'll focus more on the little the little my camp comforts that you know don't have anything to do with my vehicle you know i i I'll sleep outside if I can, but other than that, I got, you know, really nice tents, you know, so I'll sleep in a big fancy tent and dial that thing in. And then my truck is just my truck. And what I found when I had my, um, my built out Tacoma, it looked really cool when I had my wooden sleeping platform in the back and my neat little drawer systems and stuff, but then that's all it could do, you know, oh, I need to help move a couch. Sorry. You know, but you don't want to help move a couch. Good point. (laughs) Very good point. But if I, you know, or, you know, I can't bring my surfboards. I can't bring this. I can't bring that, you know, and all of a sudden it's, that's all it's for. And, um, if that is your daily driver, that, that becomes a drag really fast. And like, you know, these, these trucks look cool driving around with all this stuff on them, but I'm sure that a lot of the guys that have that are just like, geez, you know, like I, I don't really want to drive to work in this thing. Um, I beg to differ. I, I think the people driving around with the stuff on their trucks, they look like the people with backpacks with all of the things hanging out. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. look like the Beverly Hillbillies. I mean, that's one thing that I've always wanted to, I mean, there's not really much stealth about my car. It has, you know, off, off-roady to tires and I take the running boards off and, you know, it, it, I mean, it's, it's not a little cross track, but, um, but it doesn't have max tracks hanging off of it or, right. or extra fuel things or whatever. I just, you know, why, why scream that at the world there, you know, you do, you end up just putting a lot more weight and money on your, on your truck in ways that very rarely are going to come back to you. The rooftop tent thing is really interesting because I, I, to me, it speaks to people's desire for simplicity. And by mm-hmm. simplicity, I mean, fewer hassles. And there's two reasons why I'm not wild about sleeping in tents as opposed to either sleeping just out on the ground or in a cot outside alfresco or in my vehicle. And it's one is the amount of time that it takes to set them up and take them down. And then the other is just the sense of um, I don't really like the clammy air inside them. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've talked uh, in an early episode on the anniversary episode about the canvas tent that I have set up in, in the desert. And that's a whole different experience because it, it breathes better. And I just find them a little dank after a while. And so I think that people, these pop-ups that they put on their roofs, it's because they just don't want to hassle with that. They don't want to yeah. hassle with blowing up mattresses and all this sort of stuff. And for me, all this effort, and even the van when I bought it, was about reducing the inertia to get out there. You know, I love the packing and all that, but I don't love the packing because it means that I'm less it's likely. Mm-hmm. It's time. And, it means, and I want to be able to just get and go. And so as I'm thinking about, a, you know, a next vehicle, 
I mean, like I'm looking at the Ford Ranger and I mean, it gets 50% better gas mileage than this ridiculous, you know, Lexus, even though it's a, the Lexus is an amazing vehicle for, in terms of capability. And I don't, I wouldn't envision it built out. I'd envision it with boxes and a place mm -hmm. to sleep in the back, but always there and always ready to go. And, you know, we, we all have to like, you know, everybody has to hike their own hike. Like we have to choose how we're going to do things. But the idea of having everything self-contained and being able to just go has always really, really appealed to me because I understand from my own experience how much um, like just in your mind stands in the way. You know, like, eh, I don't feel like it. I mean, we've talked about this with surfing and, you know, wetsuits and all the stuff, or even this why a lot of people don't like to ski because of like accumulating yep. the equipment. I want to be out there more. And so I want as few things between me and being out there as, as possible. And I think that, yeah, I think a whole, a one important takeaway, at least for me personally, I think for all of us is that it, the three of us is that you don't have to accumulate all this stuff to do it. And I mean, it is very, the idea of just a sleeping bag and a mattress in the back of your car is very empowering. Super empowering. And, yeah. And we shouldn't let this idea that we need to. And I think that underneath all of this, what we're talking about overlanding our car camping, part of it is the gear element and people doing specific rigs, but a big part of it, even bigger is people not having to do that. And I think we need to celebrate that. I really do think it's cooler. I mean, anytime you see, somebody in, in a hatchback making a go of it i mean it's much it's, it's so much cooler and it's kind of and more kind of more fun i mean it's it's, it's a little bit more of an it's almost i don't know it's, it's something about figuring it out and something like that is pretty it's pretty sweet i mean my wife and i bought our honda fit we're both well over six feet tall because we could both lay down in the back this is they don't i don't even know if they make honda fits anymore but if they if, if you're looking by the way for like some kind of non-truck camp vehicle like the second generation honda fit is about as cool as it gets and like you could fold the seats completely flat and we could both lay in it it was amazing um, so are you selling your truck is that what you're telling me <laughs> dude there's a there's a gray honda fit down the street that's probably the same year and every time i see it if it was a stick shift i'd i'd there i'd be leaving notes i'll buy it i'll buy it you know because that that thing he's, was he's saying so this but but he loves his truck and it's nice in theory but i don't think you're going to be getting rid of the truck i'm never getting soon. rid of the truck no I've, no People also might realize, I mean, people talk about the concept of underbiking as being fun. Totally. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It would apply mm -hmm. here too. Do yeah. you guys have any final thoughts on the kind of the comparison to the weekend cabin ethos? I don't, other than just, I, I think that it scratches an itch. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that it, it's, uh, it's fun, it's affordable, it's accessible, it's empowering. Um, and, and it's flexible. And I think that as we, as the world, there's all kinds of things going on in the world that's changing. I think resilience is going to be a key thing. And yeah, the lighter that we are, the less stuff that we have to worry about, the less things that are built into things, um, the more modular we are, um, the more resilient we're going to be, the more flexible, the less attachment to things. And so, yeah, and I think we'll, we'll, I'll close with this. Justin and I, um, we're in, we're on Cedar Mesa. And we got permits to go out to a ruin. And there were a couple that we were in the, the ranger station. And there were two other dudes there. And I can't remember what they were driving, but it was a little sedan. It was like a Civic or mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly what it was. 
And, and so we, we got ours first. And so then we drove out and it was a long way out of dirt road and it was kind of sandy and deep at times and really rugged. And we were both looking at each other and going, those guys are never going to get out of here. And then we go, we do the hike, we come back and, and guess what? You know, they, they got out there, they had absolutely no problems. So, you know, it's, uh, you don't need a truck to get to a lot of these places. And if you, if that's your jam, awesome, but you don't need one. Nope. And, and, and yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing cooler than being in Baja and seeing people just, just live there. You know, they're not even overlanding. They're just going to pick, check out their lobster traps, you know, just bumbling on these little roads and in cars that you wouldn't even drive down the street in, in your town. And exactly. They're just, and they're just fine. And the deeper they get, the deeper they get. <laughs> on that note, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please give us a like, give us a follow. Um, every three months, we put out a new issue of AJ in print. It is gorgeous. It's beautiful. We write about these things. We run photos of overland stuff, camping, hiking, backpacking, skiing, snowboarding, you name it. So if you love adventure and if you listen to us on the Adventure Journal podcast, I know that you do love adventure. Then come to adventure-journal.com and check us out. Subscribe, pick up a single issue and take a look. All right. Thanks. We'll catch you next week.